0: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to another playoff edition of the Bill Eve podcast here on the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. My name is John you your familiar with co-host on this podcast, being joined, as I always am, by the esteemed Jamie D'Amico. Jamie, always good to have you on the pod. Buddy, how uh, how you doing these days?
1: Uh, you know what? The COVID, it's gradually going away. But let me tell you, two weeks ago is when the symptoms started. This has been no joke, dude. You don't want this one. Yeah, I'm
0: sorry to hear that you were uh, you were under the weather. Uh, I've had COVID, you know, twice myself uh, during the the time period of these days that we've been living in, and it is no fun indeed. Um, but you know what is fun to make our our transition into our podcast is talking more Buffalo Bills playoff football. The Bills, boy, they took that Jim Valvano motto of survive and <coughs> advance to heart uh, against the Dolphins in a much closer. Uh, way too close for comfort. Victory in the wild card round, but all that matters is the Bills got that W, stacking those dubs. They advance into the divisional round. And Jamie, you know, I I don't know about you, but ever since the matchup uh, was finalized, I have been just excited, scared, apprehensive, and still kind of confident. Uh, all those emotions running through me, and getting ready for this divisional round game at Highmark Stadium. The Bills and Bengals squaring off Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. This really seems like it's a matchup that was meant to be uh, since that Week 17 game was postponed and canceled due to the traumatic DeMar Hamlin injury. Give me your thoughts. What What are your initial, when you heard the Bills and Bengals were meeting up, what was your first reaction?
1: My first reaction was, damn it, I really think the number one seed got off easy here. I mean, the Chiefs going from a bye to the Jaguars versus the Bills and Bengals who had divisional opponents and now are facing each other. Ooh, You know what? (laughs) The Chiefs are in a much better position to advance to the AFC championship than any other team, really. And I know that's how it should be, but come on, man. The bottom of the barrel in the AFC just wasn't quite as good as the top, was it?
0: Yeah, no. The, I think we've known since the season began. I mean, really, even though the Bengals got off to that 0-2 start, their team is so scary good on offense that you kind of figured that the top three was going to be in no particular order. The Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals. I mean, for, for Buffalo to get over the hump and win that Super Bowl, they're going to have to beat the best. And it starts, of course, Sunday afternoon, with the Bengals matchup again at Highmark Stadium. Um, I want to talk a little bit, Jamie, about we're going to break down this matchup here on Believe, but a lot was made about Buffalo struggling and failing to put away a Miami Dolphins team that was led by a third string quarterback in Skylar Thompson. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to take the Bengals off the hook because were it not for a uh, horrible fumble by Tyler Huntley at the goal line when Baltimore was marching to go up by a touchdown. The Bengals struggled mightily with a third a backup quarterback as well in their wild card game. So it wasn't like the Bengals overwhelmed and ran roughshod over their opponent. They some of their warts manifested themselves in that wild card round just as much as Buffalo's did.
1: Yes, that's true. It but you know, I'm going to chalk up both games to it being a very strange sort of thing to play a team three times in a year. You just don't know what's going to happen. The familiarity, that plays into it quite a bit. But even going back to last year, the third time the Bills and Patriots played each other, Buffalo dominated that game in a way that typically you don't see a team dominate games. And I chalk that up to as well, being the third time you play a team Sometimes you just know each other so well that it's going to be it's going to be a close game. And let's face it, the Ravens are a good team. They were the first team out as far as divisional winners go. And I have to say that we've seen it from the Ravens all year long that they've been tough. Huntley's been a good player. You know, I give the Bengals a little bit more of a pass than I do the Bills. In the sense that I think that the expectations of the Ravens were a heck of a lot higher than they were of the Dolphins. But let's face facts here. The Dolphins are a good team.
0: They are. No, they're they're a very – and that's the thing that, you know, okay, their quarterback was a massive downgrade compared to, you know, Tua and when staring across the sidelines at Josh Allen. But, but he wasn't bad. I mean, he he definitely was not done any favors by Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill dropping deep balls. There was right. that one pass I loved of um, I believe it was Taron Johnson basically punching Waddle in the face to get the ball separated <laughs> from him yeah. on a deep ball. That was a, a beautiful uh, thing on defense there. But no, the the Dolphins were a very solid, dangerous team with a great defense, and you know that's why I feel like. You know, I feel like if you compare the two, and not that it matters because both teams moved on, but the Bills won in spite of themselves. They shot themselves mm-hmm. in the foot, whereas the Bengals needed some fortuitous breaks and bounces uh, to advance uh, past a really physical Ravens team that, you're right, did know them very well, having played twice during the regular season. I, I will say, though, Jamie, I think that whole motto about Um, being hard to beat a team three times in one season is a bit overblown because I think it's going back to the 2005 or 2006 season when these, when teams have met up in the playoffs that were divisional rivals and one had beaten the other twice in the regular season, the team completed the sweep 75% of the time. So it might be more challenging, but it's definitely not this, this daunting task.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. I stand corrected.
0: Just to draw, <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't want to. No, I mean you're right to bring up the point, but I think like, that it, like I'm again, not if,
1: sitting here being like, "Oh, you disagreed with me? How dare you?" I'm like, "Oh, okay." I mean, if you have a stat to back it up, that that makes a lot of sense.
0: And and that's I think that that's what's cool about our pod, Jamie, is we do agree on a lot of things, but it's it's fun when we disagree too and get to hash it out here on on the podcast. And that's why this matchup with the Bengals is. Okay, let's let's go through this Jamie. We normally break down, you know, positional situations and give our opinions on, you know, strengths and weaknesses, but I wanted I want to start with this. As much as the Bills are going to miss Von Miller's presence as a pass rusher uh in this game on Sunday, the Bengals are depleted along the offensive line. They're going to be missing three of their starters, which is absolutely huge because one of the things that Bengals knew was a weakness going into the year was their pass protection for Joe Burrow. So they go out and they sign a talented right tackle, Lael Collins. They draft center. Um, they sign center Ted Karras, and they get right guard Alex Kappa, along with drafting a left guard, Cordell Volson. Well, for this, and that that matchup had, had fared pretty well throughout the season with the mix and match on the O-line. But then in week 16, Lael Collins had a season-ending ACL injury. Mm -hmm. Week 18, Alex Kappa departed with an ankle injury. And in week 19, the wildcard game, their starting left tackle Jonah Williams dislocated his kneecap. Mm -hmm. So for this matchup on Sunday, the Bengals are going to be down to only two fifths of their starting offensive line with Kappa and Williams and Collins out for this matchup. I'm telling you, Jamie, there's blood in the water with this Bengals passing game. I know that Joe Mixon's a very talented runner, but what are your thoughts on what Buffalo... I mean, this has to be a massive advantage for the Bills being able to get pressure uh, and and, and really make Joe Burrow uncomfortable by by getting
1: after him. It has to be, but I don't have a ton of faith in the Bills' defensive line to get in there at the rate that we would like to see them get in there. We saw against the Dolphins that yeah, the Bills got after uh, Skylar Thompson a bit, but a lot of that had to do with Thompson holding the ball too long. I was disappointed with the pass rush against the Miami Dolphins team that was primed to be run roughshod over on the offensive line, missing the same number of, uh, of offensive linemen that this Bengals team is going to be missing. So I don't have a lot of faith, but I think Leslie Frazier is – probably looking at it the same way saying, look, I'm not going to be able to win with my four guys straight up the way it is. So I need to chalk some things up. So I'm looking for some stunts. I'm looking for some exotic blitzes, some zone blitzes, and that's how they're going to overcome it. Because one of the best things you can do is make offensive linemen who aren't used to playing together communicate more than they normally would. It's like, do I pass this guy off? Do I pick this guy up? Make him stop and think for a half second because that may be all you need for Ed Oliver to get into the backfield. And that's where the rush is going to need to come from. We know that we know that Joe Burrow isn't the most fleet of foot. He can run just fine, but, you know, he's not Josh Allen out there. Get him off his mark. Get the pressure up the middle against him. That's how you're going to attack this. And that's that's what it's going to take get him off his mark in the pocket, reduce the time to throw because, well, let's face it, Joe Burrow gets rid of the ball faster than just about any quarterback in the game. Don't let him set his feet. If you can keep him from setting his feet, those quick passes are going to take a fraction of a second longer and mess up that timing.
0: And that's where, and you gave a shout out to Ed Oliver, who clearly, um, I think, enters this matchup as the most important, the most vital cog of that defensive line. And he really has been playing uh, with his hair on fire over the, the last two months of the season. But it also has to come down to, of course, getting after it with the quick wins, you know, the, the what they call the quick twitch you know, instant yeah. victory type of pass rush penetration. And Greg Rousseau, I'm looking right at you, buddy. He's mm-hmm. been the Bill's best edge rusher since Miller went down. And he's really he's got to return to the quicker Victories, you know. I know he's he's been better at the the bull rush and you know getting after the quarterback that way, but that takes a little bit longer um, to get your penetration to get after Joe Burrow, and you want to be able to get home fairly quickly to make him uh, feel your presence. I think there's going to be a combination of factors on on Sunday. I think that you're gonna it's going to have to be again winning those battles against the interior offensive lineman. The Ravens showed a pretty good script on Sunday. Where they, I mean, and the Bills, I think the Bills will do what they did against the Dolphins. They'll bring five. They'll bring their four down linemen, or they'll bring their edge rushers and their D tackles, and they'll bring somebody whether it's a Taron Johnson off the edge, whether it's a Tremaine Edmonds from the linebacker position. But I don't think you're going to want to see the Bills go to a crazy blitz-heavy scheme because with the reemergence of uh, of uh, the tight end uh, Hayden Hurst. Mm -hmm. Um, who has really come back from an injury rounding into form. And with T Higgins, Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, you know, Joe Burrow gets rid of the ball, I believe, in an average of two point five seconds. He's a very quick release quarterback. So the Bills are going to have to do what they what the Ravens did last week, make Joe Burrow uncomfortable by getting after him at a hurry. Like you mentioned, make him feel uh, you know, get him off his mark, make him be unstable with his footwork. And Jamie, here's a stat that I, you know, I like to bring the nerdery to our podcast. And I some,
1: appreciate the fact that you do it too. I just sit here going off the top of my head, flapping my gums. You actually researched this shit. Get out of here.
0: <laughs> well, here, here's the stat that I'll, and I appreciate the, the kudos there. I do try to bring up some, some stats and facts to make our podcast a little bit more educational, but, um, We we mentioned the fact that the Bengals had found their starting five on the offensive line and felt like they had some pretty good consistency. Well, in the first nine weeks of the season, when the Bengals were still rotating, still mixing and matching their offensive line, Joe Burrow led the NFL in sack rate. He was pressured 33% of the time, and the Bengals went just five and four in those games. Over the next eight weeks, the Bengals won seven, all seven of their games had a bye week in there as well. And that sack rate fell in half to 16.4%. What was the difference? It was having Kappa, Williams, and Collins in the lineup. Without those guys, the sack rate is going to go up. You're Mm -hmm. facing third stringers at left tackle. Um, The only only consistent for them has really been the center position. So Buffalo is going to have to get home, get home quick, and win a lot of those matchups on the outside. And that's where, again, uh, you're gonna see the Bills blitz. I think one, you're not gonna see them blitz all the time outside of their mm-hmm. front four, but you're gonna get some variance, whether it's uh and 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 here's the thing too, Jamie. I'm I'm kind of wired up on this topic because again, doing some research on it, but with Buffalo needing to win their matchups against the backup offensive tackles, I think what gives Leslie Frazier more confidence to deploy the blitzers to bring a Taron Johnson to bring one of the linebackers to bring a safety in Jordan Poyer is how well Kair Elam played last week. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a coming out party for the physical first round cornerback against a very talented Miami wide receiver core. That's got to give him a lot of faith. Leslie Frazier, knowing that Trey white is back. Kair Elam is rounding into form. The bills can trust their outside corners to contain Boyd, Higgins, and Chase, and they can fire off more of those blitzes to make Joe Burrow feel uncomfortable.
1: Mm, they can trust the Bills DBs to contain that trio? That's a bold statement there, buddy. It is, but I feel good about it because, okay,
0: like Higgins and Chase are phenomenal wide receivers. There's no doubt about it. And yes. Tyler Boyd is a, is a game changer as well with their top three, but who okay, how much worse are Hill and Waddle than Chase and Higgins? They're not that far off as far as comparable skill sets. And I think the blueprint that the Bills played last week against the Dolphins is going to come into play when it comes to uh this matchup on on Sunday and what the Bills are gonna have to do to really they're they're never gonna take away. Chase is gonna get his. He has such yeah. a great Nose for the ball and high pointing the ball. And T Higgins had a phenomenal uh, season as well for the Bengals when he wasn't hurt. But I'm just saying, I feel a little more confident now seeing what Buffalo's uh, DBs and safeties and especially knowing that Poyer is going to be out there as well. And let us not forget the reemergence of Dean Marlowe. Dean Mm -hmm. Marlowe played himself a hell of a game against the Dolphins. And that's another area when the Bills and Bengals met the first time. The Bills were going to have to play the rest of the game, obviously without Demar Hamlin, without Taron Johnson who suffered a concussion. The Bills are fully assembled minus Micah Hyde in the secondary. That gives them a really good chance, I feel like, of not getting victimized by the Bengals passing game as much as you might think.
1: Okay, so let's talk about this a little bit. Chase Higgins have both gone over 1,000 yards this season. Tyler Boyd pitched in, uh, like, 760 yards. All three of them have had two thousand yard seasons under their belts. Jamar Chase, who's a, a top five, yeah, I would say I would say he's probably about number five in the NFL as a receiver. Um uh, and then we are looking at the height of these guys. Chase is the shortest at six feet, and then you've got Tyler Boyd at six two, T. Higgins at six four a physical presence. This is a challenge because I don't think Trey White is 100% back. What I do see is Kyer Elam rounding into form at a very good time in the year. And the more snaps he gets, the better he's going to play. My concern in this is the Bills' most underrated player is Taron Johnson. You go up and down the roster. Taron Johnson is the guy that makes their defense click because he's a little dude. He weighs like 185 pounds, but he plays like a linebacker against the run, but he's also a good quick twitch underneath coverage guy, but he's only like five, eight, five, nine. So he's no matter who he's locked up against, he's going to be giving up a significant amount of height. Now, I like the fact that it is Taron Johnson of all people that's giving up the height because dude's a scrapper, right? But you can't take away the fact that there is a height advantage there amongst all of the Bengals receivers against the Bills defensive backs. That, That presents a problem to me and and they have had that advantage the entire season the entire past few seasons against anybody and i i'm i i not ready to say that i'm not worried about the bills db's against these receivers because these receivers create a matchup problem for a lot of teams
0: oh for sure i mean that there's a reason that they're such a feared and vaunted Uh, passing attack but I feel like an underrated part of what the Bills did last week and what the Ravens have always done to slow down because if you look at what you know uh, Joe Burrow does not have a lot of success uh, in the vertical passing game going up against the Ravens and I think there's a page from the blueprint that the Bills can take on Sunday and we saw it a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, to a a pretty successful extent against Miami and the wild card and here's what it is It's get physical with these guys yet again, bump them, get in their grill. And that's where Kair Elam's emergence as a more physical. He, I mean, I want him starting on the outside over Dane Jackson 10 times out of 10. Yes. Please God Jackson day out there. If, If that's the case, advantage Bengals. I mean, every day of the week. And that's where I feel like you're going. I would much rather. Okay. Pick your poison. You get Jamar chase. You get T. Higgins or you got Tyler Boyd. I will be happy if we find out it's a quiet day for Chase and a quiet day, relatively speaking, for Higgins, and Boyd goes off. If he has a big day and beats the Bills, then so be it. I do not want Chase or Higgins putting up 120 and a touchdown apiece. If that happens, the Bills are in for a, a long day unless they can win a shootout 42 41. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be pivotal. And that's where. Boyd can be taken away too, though, with the emergence of Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. So I feel like the Bills' onus on the game on Sunday is going to be controlling the sideline, not letting the Bengals receivers get past them. Because you know what Cincinnati does very well with their their receivers? They are great at yards after the catch, Mm -hmm. and they're great at making you miss tackles. And I really like how the fact that All week long, there was a story in the Buffalo News talking about how Leslie Frazier and the secondary for Buffalo was going behind this this motto of rally to the ball, get to the ball, make the tackles when you get to the ball, and not letting the Bengals receivers break those tackles. Because when they do, then you see Chase go for 75 and take it to the house. And that's a demoralizing play. If the Bills keep things in front of them, if they're physical and they contest all of the plays uh, that that go after the the passing game, like we saw last week against Hill and Waddle, if they can somehow do that, I think the Bills have a punter's chance of uh, of taking away the Bengals' passing game. And again, if they get after Burrow quickly. If they beat the the banged up, that's the thing. These Bengals are not fully assembled now. So it's all kind of building upon my point here of the bills need to win their matchups and quickly against the banged up offensive line. And the more they do that, the less pressure is going to be felt on that secondary against these prolific wide receivers.
1: Mm -hmm. And by the way, I want to throw out a dark horse for uh, the bills defense that I think is going to be a big difference maker in this game fire it on me, buddy. Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips, if he's healthy enough to get on the field, I am looking for him to have a big game and be a difference maker out there. His energy up the middle, it could make a big difference in this game. You know, you're going to get quality reps out of, uh, out of at Oliver, but Jordan Phillips, he could be a real difference maker in this game, getting after the quarterback.
0: And I know that him and Daquan Jones both carry questionable statuses heading into the game. Uh, Phillips had that last week against Miami. Um, and and obviously we saw the fact that he did not, uh, did not play in that game. Uh, Jones was limited and he played 49 snaps in the wild card. The Bills need all of their hosses, all of their mm-hmm. big dudes to push around the Bengals offensive line. It's going to be a daunting task. And we haven't even talked about Uh, The guy who's quickly becoming the least favorite player in Cincinnati, Joe Mixon, uh, for his comments. And, you know, he's he's a dangerous running back out of the backfield. But again, I feel like the biggest concern is going to be with the aerial attack of Cincinnati going up against the Bills defense, which is, again, is fully healthy, obviously, minus Micah Hyde and Von Miller. But they're they're as healthy as they can be heading into this game. It's going to be a, a really tall task. But i'm I'm looking forward to watching the uh, the fireworks uh, between the Bengals offense and the Bill's defense. Now, switching gears, Jamie, as we round the halfway point here on Bill Eve, we all know how good Josh Allen can be. and we've seen him make some unbelievable throws for this offense. But I want to get your thoughts on a topic that's been driving me crazy on social media. And it's it's talking about Josh Allen, how he could be the, the person that holds back the Bills from making uh, their run to the Super Bowl. I've seen so many pundits say the Bills are going to lose on Sunday because Josh Allen is taking too many deep shots down the field. And yes, I would love it if he looked to go shorter, if he didn't always dial in on Diggs or Davis for the bomb plays downfield there were so many plays that josh left on the field last week where you have digs on a crossing route you've got knocks on a little tight end release you've got beasley on a flare and he kept going for the big plays as as great as those big plays are josh has to and i think he here's the thing every time josh allen has had a bad game and and i would say you know he barely out qb yard skylar thompson last week he had the Mm -hmm. two receptions He had the three fumbles. But what happens the next week when Josh has a bad game? He beats himself up, he watches the tape, and he fixes those mistakes. I'm calling it right now. Josh Allen's going to throw for four touchdown passes on Sunday, and the Bills are going to win because he is not going to let this turnover problem plague and derail this season.
1: I agree with you. One of the best things about Josh Allen is he is self-aware and he's coachable. Now, okay, maybe that didn't happen during the game, but I'm 100% with you. And I'm sure they are beating into his head this week. That's something I say all the time. You don't go broke by taking a profit. And also the Bengals are going to play the Bills differently than the Dolphins did. The Dolphins were selling out to stop the short pass and Daring Josh Allen to go long. That's not how the Bengals play defense. The Bengals like to keep things in front of them. They do a lot of man-to-man. And the other thing is, their best coverage guy is Eli Apple, who's not that good. So what I'm seeing is Stephon Diggs being double covered. This is going to be a Gabriel Davis game. Because outside of Trey Flowers, who's a tall defensive back, who is doubtful for this game, they don't have tall corners on their team. This is the kind of game where Gabriel Davis gets those long strides going and he catches a ton of balls, 10 to 15 yards downfield.
0: Yeah, I think this could definitely be the emergence, the continuing emergence of, of playoff Gabe Davis. They both Diggs and Davis went over a hundred yards uh, last week. I actually think Jamie, it's going to be a big game in general for the bills passing attack. Um, the Bengals, Really, if Josh, here's the thing, that first drive, the Bills have the ball. I want to see what Josh does and what he makes with his throws. And if he's willing to take the underneath throws early in the game, which will be readily available based on how the Bengals have their defensive philosophy, the Bills are going to have a fantastic outing on offense. That first drive is going to tell us quite a lot about whether Josh has learned his lesson and what Mm -hmm. adjustments he's made because the Bengals are going to give him the underneath passes. And I think you're going to see with Eli Apple being a less than he's a below average cornerback. Uh, The rookie Cam Taylor Britt is below average. Von Bell and Jesse Bates are okay. Cover safeties, but they're nothing to write home about. They're nothing to be worried about. The matchups are there for the bills. And you know what? Even if Josh wants to go a little longer, There's going to be those intermediate throws available. There was a play in the Dolphins game where Josh was so fixated on Gabe Davis going deep over Mm -hmm. the sideline that he missed not only Dawson Knox open on a little flare pass over the middle, but he had Stefan Diggs, who was going to be roaming so free and so open and probably could have gotten 30 or 35 yards on a little crossing pattern. Josh has to get better at not locking in on his first target and really taking in everything that's there. There's going to be chunk yardage plays available for this offense on Sunday. It's just, that's how it sets up.
1: That said, you live by the sword and you die by the sword when it comes to having Josh Allen as your quarterback. And let's face it, going into last week's game, Josh Allen had 12 interceptions in the previous 11 games. He had also lost five fumbles. This has been a sloppy team between not protecting the ball and having on defense a lot of missed tackles. You know, this team is prone to beating itself, and that is a legitimate concern. But I do have a lot of faith in, that they can fix some of these things between last week and this week.
0: I agree with you. I I like your, and I, I made the point during my opening kind of monologue too, about how the bills, the only team that can really beat the bills right now is themselves when they make those mistakes, when they, they choke away plays and when Josh tries to go, it almost feels like every time Josh Allen has the ball, he's taking himself and putting himself back in that shootout versus Mahomes, where he needed to come up with a big play every time. Mm-hmm. Take take what's in front of him and a big factor, Jamie, that I think is going to help open up things for this offense even more. The Bills abandoned the run too quickly, I felt like, last week against Miami. And the guy who I think is going to be a really solid contributor, yeah, Devin Singletary is going to have to get his, but I think James Cook. The way he is a weapon, both as a pass catcher and as a runner, he needs to step up and have another solid performance because the more the running game does, again, that opens up the play-action pass. That opens up Dawson Knox running down the seam and catching a 12, 15-yarder over the middle. The Bills have that ability to, just like the Bengals do, pick your poison. Who are you going to take away? I'm hoping we get a return of the run game uh, and especially with James Cook being the versatile two-way back that he is. I mean, I'm so excited for what the rookie brings to this offense. Can't wait to see it on Sunday. The Bills have to get balanced, and Josh has to minimize the turnovers. It's amazing that Buffalo scored 34 points on Sunday. You would have thought, based on the way all the pundits were coming out to rip on Buffalo barely escaping, that they had won 14-13 to 13, instead of putting up 34 points on a pretty darn good defense.
1: Right, right. And I'm with you. I think the Bills are going to win or lose based on their ability to run the ball. And they've got a challenge in front of them because DJ Reader, the big defensive tackle, comes in at 335 pounds for Cincinnati. One of the most underrated players in the NFL, the guy has been an absolute force in the middle of their defense and changes what teams do because he's just the immovable object. Now, him locked up with Roger Saffold, with with Mitch Morris, who's not exactly a road grader out there, and even Ryan Bates, it's an advantageous matchup for... Cincinnati having him out there. So expect to see a lot of double teams on Reader, which is something that happens to him every single week. Uh, But if they can get DJ Reader off their spot, then of course, you know, they, they do have a couple of good defensive linemen out there. Trey Hendrickson and the guy who made the big play last week, Sam Hubbard, they're decent players. But I think the Bills, with some misdirection, some fast-hitting plays, especially with Cook, I think they they can run the ball. And if they do, that is the ticket to victory.
0: Yes, a balanced offense that makes the Bengals fear the run game. And one of the best ways to neutralize someone like a DJ Reader is to run right at him, is to get plays that go directly at him or do little counters or draw plays, just like a strategy for taking away an Aaron Donald is to go right at him. And I feel like it's, it's helpful for the bills this week that unlike last week, where the dolphins had three or four legit studs on that defensive line, it's DJ reader and a bunch of decent, uh, accompaniment pieces. You know, BJ Hill is a, is a, a solid player. He had four sacks on the year, but he doesn't generate the pressure that you want from your top and defensive linemen. It's DJ Reader's game, who's great at stopping the run, getting pressure up the middle. That's why this offensive line for the Bills, they're going to have to see some double teams, like you said, whether it's Mitch Morse and either Saffold or Ryan Bates, depending on where uh, things are lined up on the field. But this is going to be a crucible matchup for Roger Saffold to see if he can get back to how he played the last three weeks of the regular season versus how bad he played against the Dolphins, but again, it's a step down in talent on Cincinnati's D line compared to what Miami had. I feel pretty good uh, about what the Bills interior O line, what they know, what they need to do. And you know, the thing is, if they're if they're not doing well right away, they're going to bring in help. You're going to see more guys come in to double team uh, a DJ Reader type, so it's not him taking over this game and disrupting everything up the middle. And I'm so glad we agree on the Bills getting more from their running game uh whether it's and it can be short passes too i mean that's the thing as much as the bills fans you know might lament the fact that buffalo doesn't have the greatest run game when the patriots were winning all of their super bowls their running game consisted of short passes that would chew off clock and kill the opponent before they could come uh, come back and attempt to come back Uh, in the game. So getting more things to James Cook and Devin Singletary, getting Dawson, Dawson Knox, I think is going to have a really solid game because one of the ways that the Bengals are vulnerable is to tight ends. They give up more than 50 yards a game to their tight ends more than half the time. And there wasn't a murderer's row of tight ends who torched them. The Bills and Dawson Knox are really rounding into form with him being a great red zone threat and a reliable pass catcher. And if you you tell me, how are the Bengals going to slow down an offense that features as many weapons as we've laid out here? With Josh Allen, of course, being able to scramble and take off at a moment's notice, I'm seeing fireworks galore, buddy, on Sunday.
1: <laughs> We're due for a big Dawson Knox game. He's been fairly quiet over the course of this season. It's time to... A time to unleash him, Ken Dorsey.
0: And I think you're going to see a lot of that on Sunday. I think the bills are just going, this is a game, Jamie, where I feel like it's going to be for you're going to need to get over 30 points. Clearly, uh, in my opinion, to, uh, to win this game um, on Sunday, I think it's going to be an awesome experience for the fans in the stadium. I think you're going to see Damar Hamlin either if he's not on the sideline or if he's not in like a golf cart waving to the fans, you're going to get some sort of DeMar Hamlin message to fire up the already raucous crowd on Sunday. And I, this is just, Jamie, one of those things where you can lament the fact that the Bills don't get to face the Jaguars and the Chiefs have an easier road to get to the AFC championship game. But the Bills need to show that they are the best if they want to win this whole thing. And what better way than to knock down a team that feels like they're just as good as you are, and it, this is going to be a fun game on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what do you think? What does Jamie D'Amico's gut tell him about how this game plays out?
1: My gut tells me that this season, the Buffalo Bills have been sloppy, as I mentioned earlier. This iteration of the team has a tendency to beat themselves and play down to inferior opponents. I am worried that this is the end of the line and I could very easily see the bills losing this like 38-35.
0: So what is that your prediction 38-35? I
1: think that's going to be my prediction and part of it is I'm just hedging uh for my emotions. I'm trying to prepare myself for the worst so I can get over it if it does happen <laughs> that way. I hear you Jamie. I mean, look, this this game gives me palpitations.
0: Um it's definitely one of those where I mean, the- The fact that, you know, here's what I'll say, though. As much as I have palpitations and as much as I have concerns, I'm picking the Bills to win. I feel like there's something to be said for surviving or escaping in the playoffs. Um, A close call. And you could say the same thing for the Bengals. They escaped over Baltimore to advance into the divisional round. But the Bills know exactly what's at stake they know that if their season is going to be a bust if they don't win the whole damn thing as we've seen those great hype videos uh put out by the team and i like the bills are catching the Bengals at the right time with cincinnati's offensive line being depleted with them having some injuries uh, in the secondary and some vulnerabilities this is not a thing where the Bengals' strengths are the bill's Weaknesses. I feel like these teams are very evenly matched. And when it's a home game, when you get the emotions of the crowd, and when you get Josh Allen coming off of a poor performance, and he's going to put a very solid game out in the field for the Bills offense, I see Buffalo winning this one. I will go 33-27. The Bills are going to advance into the AFC championship game for the second time in three years. It's going to be close Jamie, but I like Buffalo's chances. Call me the homer, call me an optimist, but I like this matchup for the Bills and I just feel like I don't know, this love is it. this is put up or shut up time. You know the Bills have been I knocking on the door for so long.
1: I I love it. I absolutely love it. Make it happen.
0: What do you think Bills fans? We want your interactions. We want your feedback. We will post um, our, our podcast link on our social media channels. it will also be available everywhere you get your podcasts, but give us your thoughts. Jamie's a great follow on social. He is at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. I'm hoping that I'm right and Jamie's wrong on this podcast, but we want to <laughs> get too. your feedback. What's your score prediction for the game? on What's supposed to be a bit of a wintery mix, a snowy kind of day at the stadium, a 3 p.m. kickoff on Sunday. Start your day by listening to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. For my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, the amazingly talented ginger voice on this podcast, I am John (laughs) Signing off, as always, with an enthusiastic Go Bills.